0: I, I want to go back to another psalm uh, that is a psalm that you're probably familiar with. You know, so many of the psalms, we 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 know certain verses from them. You know, we we can quote the psalms, but we can't quote which psalm it is. You know, we usually say, well, you know, the Bible says, and we quote the verse, and then we say, that's fine in psalm. Because we don't really know which psalm it is. So you'll hear certain verses in this, the 46th psalm, that you're familiar with. And, of course, there's one that we're greatly familiar with that I, I, I want us to look at today. But... The 46th Psalm uh, reads like this. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar in foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts His voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations He has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. I, I, I'm guessing that that phrase, Be still and know that I am God, is a, is a phrase you've heard many times. And I'm guessing that if you have been a part of the church for any length of time and you've, you've heard those words, I'm guessing you've prayed them many times. I'm guessing that there have been times in your life when you remembered that passage, Be still and know that I am God. Maybe you said those words when you were at a point in life when nothing was still, when everything seemed chaotic, there were all kinds of problems uh, that you had, uh, health problems, uh, problems with people you love, people you were worried about, and it just seemed like a whole cacophony of voices screaming at you. And, and you pulled that verse out, be still, because nothing in your life was still at that point. Maybe you quoted that verse because of the second part. Be still and know that I am God. Maybe there was a time in life when it seemed like everything was out of control. It was hard to feel like God was actually in control. And you read the news and you couldn't read the news anymore. And you heard people talk and you just heard of all the things going on. It felt like your life was out of control. It felt like all kinds of things were out of control. And you didn't know who was in charge. And so maybe you pulled that verse out then. Be still and know that I am God. I am God. And you just had to remind yourself who's in control. Maybe you quoted that verse because you needed to remind yourself who your God was. You know, it's so tempting in our lives to go after so many different things. And Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't go in all these different directions at once. And maybe you would find yourself going in all these different directions. And maybe you prayed that prayer, be still and know that I am God, to remind yourself who God is and who you're supposed to be following and not to be following all the other directional issues, all the other tangents in life. This this little verse, be still and know that I am God, is is looming very large in my life these days because I think God wants to do something very special in our lives through that. The, the actual word for be still is very interesting. If you were to, uh, it's an Old Testament passage, but uh, the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament that Jesus and the disciples used uh, many times in the first century uh, has that verse with a very, very specific Greek word for it it's it's actually you know it's it's a fun greek word to say scalazzo it, it sounds to me like an italian pastry scalazzo you know I'll have some marinara sauce with my scalazzo please but but the word scalazzo it, it it doesn't only it means be still as in be quiet and we kind of all know that about that verse it means quiet down be still and Sometimes we think that just means for a few moments, okay, I need to be still, but I think it's pointing to something much larger than that. It's talking about a life of stillness whereby we can listen to God. A life of, of being able to hear His voice. But there's another part to that, that, that word, not only be still as in be quiet, be alone, be listening. It also means to be empty. It means to have empty hands. And so the psalmist gives to us this very simple thing that says, Be still, be quiet, and empty your hands. Empty the stuff out of your life that is keeping you from hearing my voice. Get rid of the clutter. Now, I I happen to think that uh, the clutter of life is one of the big obstacles to us hearing God's voice. And I'm talking about all kinds of clutter. Mental clutter, emotional clutter, physical clutter, 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 clutter. clutter. It's just a lot of stuff in our lives. And Jesus talked about this very specifically to us when he told a parable about the the farmer who was planting seed. He said to his disciples, the farmer went out to plant his seed. And as he was going out to plant his seed, even before he planted it, some of the seed fell out of his bag and fell along the roadside. And uh, and the birds of the air came and ate it up. He said some of the seed, before he was able to plant it, fell uh, in rocky soil. And what happened to the seed is it sprung up, but because it didn't have deep roots, it it uh, it didn't last. The sun came up and just scorched it, and it was gone. Some of the seed fell among thorns and thistles, and, and the roots were deep enough that it could grow up, but it got choked out by all the stuff around it, by all the thorns and the thistles around it. And then he said then some seed was planted on really good ground, really good stuff, you know, that black peat, that that really rich earth, and that seed produced... 30, 60, 100 times what was actually planted. Now, usually when, when Jesus told us his, his parables, he didn't explain them. You know, usually he just told them and, and he lets you go on with them. I was like, you know, sometimes, his, sometimes his parables are very, very obvious, aren't they? I mean, sometimes you just read them and you go, oh, yeah, it just hit me over the head with the two by four. And then other times his parables are kind of mysterious, you know, uh, he'll, he'll say a parable and. And they must have walked away kind of scratching their head going, what? What What does that mean? You know, What was that all about? I think Jesus did that many times so that we would actually think and struggle. Well, this is one of those accounts where Jesus told the parable and the disciples, I think lots of times they kind of went away and went, well, what was he talking about? And they discussed it among themselves. But this time they went to him and said, what does that mean? What are you talking about? Why are we talking about seeds and thistles and rocks and all that kind of stuff? And, and if you read that account in Mark 4, there's a, there's a really strange thing that Jesus says about why he speaks in parables that, that is, is very hard to understand. But we'll, we'll fast forward to the part where he actually explains the parable. So he says, the seed is the Word of God. And the seed's good. So this, this, this isn't a matter of whether we got good seed or not, whether or not it grew. The seed's good. But it fell in different soil types. And the first, along the road, uh, it, it, where it just bounced off. You know, those roadways, even if they were dirt, enough people walk over it, it's just hard as rock. And the seed just bounced off. He says, that's, that's the person that, the, the, the seed came into their life, but it never, ever, really had a chance to take root at all. Right away, it was snatched from them. Maybe they weren't responsive. Maybe they weren't open. Maybe they weren't ready. For whatever reason... He said, that's what that is. And then he said, the, the next type is, is the seed that was planted in people's lives, but they had no root. They had no root. And because they had no root, the sun, and he called it persecution, just withered it. That's why in the church we care deeply about roots, isn't it? That's why we have children's ministry. That's why you pray for these children's workers who work because they want these kids to have roots that go down deep. They don't want them to somehow get to an adult, hey here, we'll just throw this at you. No. We want deep roots. So that's that's just intrinsic to who we are. And we as churches, we we work real hard at that. We work real hard at putting roots down and, and helping people grow. Then of course the 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 good good stuff is, is those who hear the word of God and are responsive to it and, and, and they really want to, to grow, there's a, a hunger, a thirst that Jesus said He would bless. There's a there's a, a commitment, a giving of themselves fully to Christ. And, and boy, there the seed just grows and grows and grows, not just for a day or for a month or for a year or for a decade, but for all of our lives. I think no matter how old we get, we can keep growing. Don't you think so? Don't you think that we can keep growing and serving and growing and serving and learning? And growing and learning, that's that, that's that good stuff. But lodged between those two examples, the example of the one where the roots didn't go deep and the one where they went deep and it was really good, he talks about the seed that fell among thorns. Let me just read that for you. It's, uh, it's in four eighteen to 19. He says this, Still others, like seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, And the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. The deceitfulness of wealth. We know what the deceitfulness of wealth is. The deceitfulness of wealth is people think that wealth is their security. That's not. That's that's a lie. Or that wealth is their happiness. Well, that's a lie. So the deceitfulness of wealth. But he doesn't just talk about the deceitfulness of wealth. He talks about the desire for other things. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus is saying that so many people... uh, The the Word is planted in their lives, but because they have so many other things going, so many other desires, so many other things they're grabbing hold of and and taking so much clutter in their lives that they haven't let go of, that it just chokes them. just chokes the Word of God in their lives. Now, what's interesting is that He didn't say, and they die. He just said they don't bear fruit. Uh, what's fruit in the Bible? You, know, you can always take the word fruit in the Bible usually. That's a contradiction. Always, usually. You, almost always in the Bible, you can take the word fruit and, and substitute the word results. So, uh, you know, we, we bear fruit in our lives, the results of our lives. We, we think of fruit in two ways. We think of the fruit of our labors. That uh, Let's go back to children's ministry. You have people who... Put time and effort into these kids and there's fruit that comes out of that. You look back over the years and these children have grown up. There's great fruit from what's happened. And those children, I always tell our youth workers, I say, you know, they won't thank you this week, but when they're 35, they'll come back and thank you, you know, because there's fruit. So don't hold your breath on it. It's just, you know, but there's the fruit of our labor. So we think of fruit in that way. But we also, of course, think of fruit in another way that Paul talked about the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the result of the Holy Spirit living in us and living through us. And many of you could quote that verse. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I might have gotten two or three of those out of order. But, you, you know, you get them, okay? Now, Jesus is saying that when the cares of life and the desire for other things keep crowding out our lives, he says, "What happens is we don't bear fruit." And so the very things that we want more than anything—the very things we want more than anything—love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control. Those things we want more than anything, he says. Those are the things that, choo, they're gone. When everything else is cluttering our lives and clamoring for our attention and we're allowing everything else to take precedent in our lives. I'm sure all of us could testify to that. Let's just take the fruit of self-control, for example. As I was lamenting on the way here this morning, my clothes felt a little tight today. I told my wife, because um, uh, we've been traveling so much and and in Chicago, and Chicago has amazing food and all that kind of stuff, you know. And um, and uh, and I told her that I will not stop at Sweetwater's today, even though I'm in the even though I'm in I'm in the area. So, but here's the deal: in your life, in my life, when you're really stressed and you're going all these different directions, what's one of the first things that goes? Self control, right? Self control is when we 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 let our our personal spiritual disciplines fall away. Uh, we eat bad. We do you know whatever it is. Because that self-control is part of the fruit the Spirit wants to give us. Peace. Man. When the thorns are choking it out, we can't spell peace. We can't find our peace. We're in constant turmoil. He says these thorns keep the fruit from happening in your lives. Keep, uh, keep your life from yielding fruit. Patience. Oh, baby. That one's gone right away, right? When all the cares are going, when we are stressed out of our brains and our children come in, our grandchildren come in, and on a good day we're the most patient parents and grandparents in the cosmos, but not today because the affairs of life and the desire for all the clutter in our lives. You see, we kind of joke many times about... um, you know, being busy and being cluttered. That's why it was so cool to hear about this study being a Mary and a Martha world. That is so, so appropriate. But, but see, the clutter in our lives is, is not a joke to Jesus. He says that the clutter are thorns that choke the Word of God and the fruit of the Spirit isn't being yielded anymore. They may not kill us. But he says it's choked out and it bears no fruit. One of the um, great spiritual... I I, I hate to put a title of entity or whatever, but of our great spiritual tradition. We're talking about our 2,000-year spiritual tradition. The great saints uh, that are listed in Hebrews 11 and all that have come since then, they handed things down to us. They taught us how to pray, how to fast, How to serve, how to worship, how to engage in solitude and things like that. One of the the most important disciplines of the spiritual life is the spiritual discipline of simplicity. Simplicity means getting the extraneous out of the way and being only given to Him. You and I live in a world where we're told we need to desire all these other things and Jesus says all these other things choke us, and choke from us bearing fruit. And so you and I have this great assignment as followers of Christ to simplify our lives, simplify our minds, simplify our desires. You know, when when you have too many desires, that's called duplicity, or James called it being double-minded. To simplify our joy. Where do you get joy? Our culture tells us there's a whole lot of stuff you need to have joy. What does the Scripture teach us? It teaches us that when we walk outside, we are in the temple of God. It teaches us that joy comes from the sky. Joy comes from raindrops. Joy comes from the laughter of children. Joy comes from time alone with God. Joy comes from the fact that every time I breathe in and every time I exhale, I am breathing and exhaling the Spirit of God, the presence of God, the love of God, because the Scripture says that He is over all and through all and in all. That is where we get our joy. And our world keeps saying, no, you got to have this. you got to do this. you got to take this trip. you got to have this. you got to have this kind of retirement income. You then you will have joy. And until we simplify our joy, we have a cluttered desire, a cluttered mind, a cluttered spirit that chokes out the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience and kindness, self-control. All those things that we really, really want in our lives. So maybe... One of the biggest challenges that you and I have today is to say, Lord, teach me how to desire you and you alone. Teach me how to desire you in such a way that everything in my life falls under that rubric. That I'm not trying to please me. I'm not trying to please that unknown entity in the world called they. You know, well, they say you ought to do this. I'm not trying to please they, whoever they are. I'm not trying to even please my family. I'm trying to please Him. And as pleasing Him and walking with Him becomes the focus of my life, what did Jesus say? You seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. All the stuff you need is going to be added to you. But if you seek all the other stuff, you'll miss the fruit that He has for your life. uh, One of my favorite theologians is a man named Soren Kierkegaard. Everybody's heard of Kierkegaard. Um, he was a, a Dane from the 19th century. and uh, But he's not my favorite because of his intellect. Um, I've tried to read his stuff, and uh, it's just really difficult reading. I like him because he is a spiritual mentor of sorts to us. And his most famous work is a book called Purity of Heart is to Will One Thing. And if you read the whole book, you realize that the whole book is purity of heart is the will one thing. He pretty much could have given the title and then just let us stop with that. But what he's saying is that that, that when my desires are wrapped up in Christ, when He is my all, He purifies my heart and stuff falls away. And here's my, here's my image of the Christian walk. We come to faith in Christ and... And uh, and we come with a lot of baggage, don't we? If you don't have baggage, then you got an honesty issue, which is baggage. Okay, so um, we all got baggage, right? So uh, my my picture of the Christian walk is I'm on this journey with Him. You know, Jesus didn't say, you know, pray the sinner's prayer and stay there. No, He said, you, hey, you, follow me, follow me, let's go, come on, come on, walk with me, let's go. That's what He said to Simon. That's what He said to Andrew. That's what He said to James and John. Looked at Him by the seashore and said, Hey you, follow me! And they dropped everything and followed Him. So we're on this journey following Him, right? And I have this picture that on this journey following Him, as He is my leader and as He is our Lord, every step I take, stuff keeps falling off. All the chains keep falling off. All the baggage keeps dropping away. All the extraneous desires. And all the things that were so important to me. It just keeps falling away. And the more I walk with Him, the freer I get. I'm 61 years young. (laughs) I should be much freer than I was when I was 45. And I'll be freer next year, and the next year, and the next year. Why? Because purity of heart is will one thing. When we follow Him, He purifies those things out of our lives. And the thorns keep dropping away. And when the thorns drop away and, and, and the, 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 the chains drop away and the baggage drops away, it, it quits choking out the fruit. And so every step we take, we can experience more love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and self-control. We don't manufacture those. That's the fruit of the Spirit. We just get the junk out of the way, the thistles and the thorns that keeps it from happening in our lives. One time I was speaking at my church and I was talking about this and I said, you know, as I grow and go, I I, I want to know Jesus more. And I said, I don't want to be a, a snarky old guy. I want to be a sweet old guy. One of my staff said, "Well, you're halfway there, you're old. Um, but uh, uh, but, but that's, that's what God has for us. I don't know. What, what, uh, what stuff do you need to let go of? I know what stuff I need to let go of. I know the things that I have to do to simplify my life. What ambitions do I have to just say, "Ah, that doesn't matter." What opinions? Others have of me. What are those I have to say, ah, come on, come on. What dreams and desires that are not God's dreams and desires for me, Desires for me, but they're my dreams and desires for me. Well, what are those I just need to say, hey, who needs it? Who needs it? I, I know the stuff I have to just say, Lord, let's, let's let it die. Let's let it fall away. What it is for you, only you know, and those closest to you, But Jesus wants to take things out of our lives so he can put himself fully into our lives. So we go back to that verse Be still and know that I am God. Have a life where you can actually hear me, the Lord is saying. You can actually hear me. You know that I am God. You have an increased sense of my presence with you. Be still, be empty handed. Get the emotional clutter out as best you can and trust me for the rest. Get the physical clutter out as best you can. Get the unbelievably extreme clutter we cram into our calendars and start being serious about this because we've got to look at the clutter in our calendars. Those are thorns that choke the fruit in our lives. What is it we have to get rid of? To be still and to be empty and to know that He is God. And as we do that and take the next step, and the chains fall off and the baggy straps aside, we won't even dream of going back. We don't want to go there anymore. Anymore. Let me pray with you, all right? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your unbelievable love for us. We're conscious of the fact that. You don't take things out of our lives to punish us. You take things out of our lives to liberate us. I pray that You would help us. Lord, this church is ready to go into a a new sermon series that is so exciting and has so much to offer. Help us to be attentive and and able to listen because we're allowing You to take the things out of our lives that, that just edges out what you want to do. I pray for that sister or brother in this room today, Father, who is feeling overwhelmed by life and doesn't even know where to begin to get rid of some of the clutter. It's just so monumental. I pray, Father, that you would help them to just take the next step in listening to you and obeying you. I pray for that person whose, whose life is full of not because of their choosing, but because of their responsibilities. They may have ill parents or family members who really need their attention. They may have a child who is going through a season with very special needs. I pray for our single parents, Lord. Their Their lives are so unbelievably challenging. I pray for those who, who, because of circumstances around them, their their lives are, are so full of things they wouldn't have chosen. And yet, I pray that those sisters and brothers can actually see you and and breathe in your grace. Help us to be the kind of people that help one another out. That say to the single mom, can I watch your kids tonight so you can breathe? Can I sit with your grandparents today so that so that you can take a day away. Help us to be that kind of a people, Lord. But in all of it, teach our hearts to be still and listen. And when it seems like the world is going crazy, help us to be still and know that you are God. And when we're tempted to give our allegiance to anything and everything else, help us to be still and know that you are God. And help us to just know the joy of being still and empty-handed before You so that You can fill us with what You want for us. For all that You give us, we are unbelievably grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me dismiss you with that great doxology that... No, don't worry, I'm not going to sing a doxology. Um, The great doxology in Scripture where Paul writes these words. I, I just love these words. He says this, He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Go in peace. Thanks for being with us today.